HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. With more than 30 weekly podcasts, HRN has something for every food lover. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. All right, welcome to the Raw Wine 2023 Speakers Corner. I'm Sam Van Ruby from the Great Nation Podcast on the Heritage Radio Network. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about aging natural wines. You know, natural wines get a knock that there's no ageability, you know, wines for now. So we have three winemakers. We're going to do vertical tastings, exploring the impact of time with these three growers. And we have two winemakers with three wines and one with two wines, and we're going to compare different vintages. Um, so just first a little about Castilla y Leon, the region, and this is very basic. So along the way, if there's anything that's important to discuss, whether it's your winery or the region, you know, please, you know, jump in. But Castilla y Leon, located in the northwestern part of Spain, Largest autonomous community of Spain's 17 administrative regions. It covers about 94,000 kilometers. Um, it's a landlocked wine region surrounded by mountains, which is an important part of the climate. And most of the Douro River runs through uh, the region. Portugal, just for you to imagine, is to the west. It's a little north. Portugal's to the west and below it. Um, the climate generally, and each of these guys, you know, sort of have their own microclimate to some extent. The climate is a continental Mediterranean climate, which typically is long, cold winters, um, short, hot summers, and in most areas, there's a scarcity of uh, rain. Um, Castilla y Leon, if you know the name or not, it includes the great wine-growing regions of Ribera del Duero, Toro, Bierzo, Rueda, Ribes, Tierra de Leon, and that's just to name a few. There's a bunch of other ones. Um, typically, when people think of the region, they think of Tempranillo, and they think of Godello as a, a white wine. Those are the predominant grapes, but I think you'll see today that we'll be talking and tasting um, a lot of the other varietals, which is very exciting. Um, so 
Let's get started. We have three winemakers. <clears throat> For the sake of democracy, I put three numbers in a hat, in a cup, I'm sorry. And we pulled out uh, the numbers and we are, it only makes sense to talk about the wines with each winery. So we're gonna go winery to winery to winery and taste the wines. So based on what we pulled out of a hat, we're going to start with Kiko Calvo from Bodegas Bigardo. Then we're going to talk to uh, Nacho from Dementia Wine. And we're going to wrap it up with Bodegas Coronia del Conde. Um, so that's the way we're going to do it. I welcome any questions. You know, we'll stop at the appropriate time to ask questions. I encourage it. Don't feel embarrassed. Uh, any question makes sense. Um, so is everyone ready to get started? Let's talk and taste, all right? All right, Kiko Calvo, although loaded with multiple degrees in biology and enology, um, is not one to look at the past as far as winemaking. He's focused on the future. He grows what he calls free wines. Now, honestly, I don't know what that means, so he's gonna help explain that. It's a personal interpretation of natural wines and artisanal wines without certifications or limitations um, in Toro near the Duero River. You know, so we talk a lot about certified organic, certified biodynamic, what's sustainability. You know, Kiko does it his own way, and we're going to talk about that. He's working with 40 to 100-year-old vines, which I think you're going to see, and you guys tell me otherwise, one of the prevailing good themes about this is there's a lot of old vines in the region, and most of you are farming, you know, old vines, which we all know produces incredible wines. Um, so he's working with 40 to 100-year-old vines on 20 acres of his family's vineyards, and he oversees 10 acres, you know, under his control. So we're going to taste three of Kiko's wines. One of the wines, and he makes a bunch of wines, is a wine called Bigardo, B-I-G-A-R-D-O. And we're going to taste a 2015, a 2017, and a recent vintage, the uh, 2022. Um, 20, I'm sorry. I had 20. I just can't read my own handwriting. Um, and I'll set it off this way, because Kiko, tell us a little about the wine and anything else. It's certainly one of your... Uh, is experimental the right word? Experimental red wines. Um, and it's made with, and you have to help me with this. So I said earlier, Tempranillo is one of the predominant grapes of the region. Um, Kiko makes this wine with a grape called Tinto de Toro, which he painfully says is not Tempranillo. So explain the difference before we taste. Well, thank you for coming. It's a, it's a pleasure to stay here. Um, yeah, the thing uh, about the, the variety first is that, uh, well, I am from Toro. I am uh, in love with my place and with my land. And uh, it's true that genetically, Tinta de Toro could be more or less the Tempranillo. And I, I don't uh, want to be very boring about that. I love that, uh, that discussion, but I understand that this is not that, uh, that funny. But it's, it's true that it's like dogs. There is no a red line. Uh, genetically, to say that this grape is uh, the, the grape A, the variety A, or the variety B. <clears throat> As I am a Toro soldier, I have to defend forever and ever that Tinta de Toro is not Tempranillo. Uh, 
that's all. It's true that there is an adaptation because uh, in our region, the climate is a very extreme dry farm, I'm gonna say. Uh, so the plant adapt to the conditions uh, in a very extreme, uh, extreme way, right? So uh, the grape is smaller, the leaves uh, is like more hairy. I mean, you, you, you feel differences even visually. Uh, so yeah, please, uh, makes me so happy if you say that you are gonna taste the Tinta de Toro, no Tempranillo. Great. All right, so let's, let's pick up the first wine. So Kiko, we're drinking the oldest vintage first, right? The 2015? 2015, yeah. All right, uh, so tell us a little about vintage year, the wine. Blend. Okay, so in 2014, left to right, I start uh, the project. I start with the winery in the garage of my parents, classic. Uh, so 2014 was not uh, was uh, too much experimental, the vintage, so was not in the market. And uh, 2015 is is the first uh, the first vintage that I put on the market. Okay, we have uh, 15, 17, and then. 2020, uh, now in, in 2020, uh, I vinificate in a new winery, in a new place, like with more space. I have, uh, well, I, I can make more wines and, uh, and I, I am able to, to work uh, with, with best conditions now. And uh, yeah, I think that one of, of my characteristics of, of one of my differentiation uh, in, during the winemaking or with the winemaking is that I conserve like the origin with these uh, small micro vinifications where thinking in uh, when I start in the garage of my parents, I take, uh, sometimes I stole to my father some grapes, 200 kilograms, for example, and I start to play to be a winemaker, right? Huh. Uh, and and I, still, I, I still love this way to make wine. And, uh, and the, my biggest tank is one ton, is 1,000 kilos. So think that uh, any, any vineyard, any parcel, you have like the, the top part of the parcel, the bottom. So it's true that when you are working with this parcel year and year, you feel differences and you know that some areas of the parcel are different. So what I want to make is, is to, to keep that differences uh, in the wine. So I make different wines that here in 2015 I blend uh, and I make just one label, one wine, but now I start to make single parcel wines and, and uh, well, like to, to uh, sowing or preserving or, or transmitting those differences in the, in the parcel, in the vineyard, okay? Uh, well, about the region, uh, farming is kind of easy because it's, it's a very dry, dry place, so we have no fungi diseases. Uh, yes, we have some Jeska, of course, but uh, to respond to this. So, in your own words, you say you're not organic, you're not biodynamic, but your word is free. logical. I am free. I am free. logical. So my assumption is is that you follow those practices, but you okay. don't want to be labeled or certified. Okay. How Let, do you respond to that? Let's show my cards. That's my label. Okay. So that's. Uh, I think that this is like my philosophy. You know. Uh, for me means for sure, Toro, my place, handmade, but it's only a question of freedom, you know? So yeah, I respect, of course we are here, we are natural, we have some values about the future and the sustainability, but uh, I, I'm not enjoying too much that limitations, you know, when, when it's like, okay, man, if you are natural, you have to do like that. Okay, 
I understand that, but but uh, <laughs> but uh, why? I mean, uh, uh, any any region, any uh, in Spanish we say any maestrillo tiene su librillo. It's something like uh, each teacher has his own uh, manual, more or less. So uh, yeah, I prefer mm, to make uh, something logical. Wait. Manual or Manuel? Man manual of instruction. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Instruction, sorry, go sorry, ahead. exactly. Uh, so, um, uh, yes, yes, I love the concept of uh, logical wines. Uh, which is your interpretation. Which is my interpretation. Of... And don't, don't use uh, yeast because I don't need yeast because for me, for example, the, the microorganisms are, are uh, uh, the base of the terroir and the base of the differentiation. And uh, I think that it's important to say that we don't know too much about microorganisms in wine. We think that we control the process, but uh, well, I am biologist, so I love that, uh, that question. And uh, mm, we control some microorganisms specifically, Saccharomyces cerevisiae, blah, 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 but we don't know what's happening in the soil. We try to, to preserve the soil and to take care about the soil, but uh, all that uh, connection with different species of microorganisms, we don't know too much about, so it's true that we do our best, but uh, we have still too much work uh, and too much things to learn to understand how to make wine, how to control the, the process. All right, so let's, let's everybody taste the uh, first wine in front of you. We're going left to right, um, the 2015. So to keep you guys on task, the idea is talking about the ageability of these wines. Okay. And we're showing younger um, and older wines. So, Kiko, this is a wine that's, you know, almost 9, 10 years old in the bottle. Yep. Um, tell me a little about the uh, vintage and anything else, blend, all that stuff. Okay. So, uh, yeah, 2015 was, uh, I remember this, this vintage, not a big quantity of grapes. The production was not very big in, in Toro. Uh, and in this uh, blend, uh, there are a big percentage, maybe 60-70% of, of the grapes are uh, with, uh, from a vineyard with more than 100 years old. We in Castilla León, this is our treasure for sure, those guys here are going are gonna to tell about the old vineyards, think that uh, the roots are super deep and now thinking in climatic change, when everything is like changing too fast and we cannot uh, control that changes. When you have a old vineyard, everything is super stable because the roots are very deep, as I said. Are they deep from age or are they deep because they struggle because there's not a lot of water or both? Uh, both, both, okay. I would say. It's true that when, when you have no water at the, they the surface, down. they have to look for right. the water. But uh, in general, uh, the old vineyard, the, the roots are bigger and, and this, the root system is, is like more uh, developed, right? So uh, here I think that we, we can find like a kind of more complexity maybe due to, to these uh, old vineyards. Thinking in old vineyards, visually, the, the grapes are smaller, the production is smaller, so everything is much more concentrated, right? And uh, yeah, yeah. Toro is a is a place where uh, the grape has everything, but has everything too much sometimes. I mean, if you don't take care with the alcohol, the alcohol 
I make some wines with 17.6 with wow. uh, indigenous yeast. And you take the book of winemaking and say, no, at 15 degrees, the yeast are diet. No, no in my place, my friend. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we have to take care with, with that. So the acidity is very important. I, one of my, my obsessions is to keep uh, good acidity uh, because this, uh, when, when you have a voluptuous or a very uh, a wine with a lot of volume, if you have good acidity, it helps with the balance for sure. So I think that this uh, 2015 is a good example of a big wine with a good acidity and a good balance. Okay. All right. So let's let's move to the 17 and let's okay. do a comparison. So first, everybody pick up the middle wine, the 17. So we're looking at a wine with six, seven years bottle age, um, two years after the first wine. Difference in vintage, you know, yeah. how, how do you look at the differences? I think that this, this vintage 2017 was a little bit more fresh, maybe, more, more colder. And uh, we can feel that in the, in the aromatic profile. Does a cool vintage give you freshness? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think so. Uh, well, we in Castilla y León, in, in La, La Meseta, makes sense in English, yeah? Yeah. Like in our Meseta, we are like uh, around 700, 800, depending, right, of the area, but it's kind of good altitude. Uh, very windy, as we are surrounded of, of mountains. And uh, this helps for the ripeness of the grape, for sure. And uh, with, a, with colder temperatures, uh, well, you can feel different profiles of, uh, of aromas. Uh, Okay, this is 17, and thinking in the 2020, here there is like a, a small jump, okay? Because uh, in 2020, I, I From make- the 17 to the 2020? To the 2020, uh, um, following the same philosophy of winemaking for sure, but here I make in the, in the new winery, okay? So uh, this wine is made in your new winery. In my new and, and what it's not does that impart anything to the wine? Is there any difference because of that? I think that we are kind of afraid when you start in a new place because I think that uh, we don't use yeast, right? So there's something magical that the yeast are on the walls and in everywhere. And when you make the wine in a new place, something is like a strange. You know? right. So you are waiting what's happening with the wine and if, if uh, your uh, guys, if your microorganisms are working in the same way. Did it way. seem that way or it went well? Exactly. They, they are the good guys or they are becoming <laughs> okay. only the bad guys or, you know, something that we cannot control as I want. Um, so the 20, is it much different in your mind than the 17 and the 15 other than it's five years, three years older? I mean... What do you, how was the vintage and, you know, how would you describe was, the uh, It was kind of warm, this vintage, but it's true that there is differences also with the parcels that I use it. Same as in 2015, I use uh, much old parcels for Ricardo. In 17, it's like 50-50 more or less. Uh, when we talk about old vineyards, we are talking uh, with uh, vineyards of uh, 100 years old. And for us in Castilla y León, young vineyards maybe are vineyards with 40 or 50 years old, which in other places are all vineyards, really. I mean, it's just, uh, depending on the reference, right? And here in 2020, all the vineyards for Bigardo are around 50 years old, which is a very good age for a vineyard, yeah. anyways. But we have like that kind of obsession sometimes. 
well, I want to say historically something that uh, I am very proud, why not, that uh, Mr. Columbus or Columbus, Christopher Columbus, he brings uh, Toro wines in the boat to discover America because was very famous, the wine from Toro, to be very well preserved because was a very strong wine. Okay, we are gonna talk about sulfur or not? I mean, 500, uh, 500 years so ago. So two things. Okay. Talk, we'll talk about sulfur when and however you want. And remember, we're talking about the ageability of these okay. wines. So what contributes to that? Maybe sulfur does in some ways. That's it. So, so go ahead. Like uh, 500 years ago, I think that those guys never use sulfur. So uh, what they have uh, to preserve the wine is like much more maceration, much more extraction, so more other other compounds, right, to, to be preserved. And, uh, well, it's, it's uh, funny to know that historically the Toro wines, uh, forgetting all our technology, are already good for uh, for uh, for for to keep during for aging to keep during during uh, a lot of years. So uh, this extreme dry farm of Toro, I think that make it much easier to make uh, natural wines. Really, uh, about the aging, well. We don't know too much about how, how this wine is, is evolving, but it's true that when you have a wine, you have a good acidity, everything in the wine is okay. You know that this wine is gonna evolve or, or have a very good evolution. Mm, but it's true that we, we cannot like visually say the wine is too much, too much difficult to visually say the wine six or seven years uh, further in the time, right? In the future. Right. Um. I talk too much or not? No, no you don't no, talk okay. too much. It's less talking <laughs> I have to do. Um, we're going to move along, but you three guys, you can jump in on anything at any time. Does anyone have any questions for Kiko on these three wines? All right. We'll move along. As I mentioned, we pulled numbers out of a hat. We're going to talk to Nacho Leon, who is in the middle. Nacho's from Demencia Wine. Um, he makes wines in El Bierzo near the village of Val Tuelle. Did I pronounce that right? Yes. Okay. He tends to around 10 hectares with over 30 parcels, again of older vines. Um, he works mostly with the Mencia grape, um, along with Godello, Tempranillo, Garnicia, Tinteria, and other uh, varietals. The wine we're going to taste today is called Kashikan. Um, and I guess, guys, we need to get that wine up here, right? Um, Kashikan, uh, it's a blend with grapes baked, uh, dating back to his two 2013 vintage, excuse me. Um, before we get started, Nacho, Demencia is Spanish for dementia. Yeah. Why would you name a winery after dementia? Uh, good morning, in Spain. Yeah, it's right. uh, you know, we have meal at uh, half past two or something like this okay. in Spain. So, um, the naming of Demencia is based on the origin of the of of my of my dream. Not, uh, not your crazy grandfather. 
No, 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 no. Uh, I began the project and uh, and uh, and the idea in the beginning of the of the, of my uh, of my project is to make aging wines with Nancia. So that's fit pretty okay. nice today. Got it. And All right. So, um, give us a little background about you know dementia. You know, we're talking Mencia now and, you know, the region and all that. So people can sort of... We're talking a, about the region that is such a different region along uh, Castilla y León, as we, you talk about. Uh, Castilla y León is a very big region, uh, rounded by mountains. And in one of the mountains in the northwest, in the middle of them, there is a place that is called Bierzo. Is uh, close to Galicia, and uh, our main river is not River Douro. It's not River Duero. Sorry, it's River Sil. Spell? How do you spell? Sil. S I L L. Okay. This river uh, was born in the North Mountains and must be. Uh, 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 must be finished in Duero, but when arrive Bierzo, uh, goes through a mountain and has uh, to go le uh, west. So uh, it goes directly to Miño and then to Atlantic Ocean. Ocean. That's why we have got a wet weather. And our weather is not continental and Mediterranean. It's a, a blend between, between continental because, because we are in the middle of the mountains. We have snow right now in, in, on, on the top of the mountains. We have a touch of Mediterranean weather because of the deep of the valley and also the Atlantic influence that, for example, this year, made us to receive more than uh, 800 liters uh, of rain. So it's a mm, limit or a border frontier area. This is, uh, this is what we have uh, in Bierzo. It's a lovely place for make aging wines. And this is the beginning of my project, the Mencia, based on Mencia. Another thing that I focused on was uh, in the beginning was to recover all vines. Why? Because the vineyards there are usually uh, treated by chemistry. Uh, you know, one of the things that our grandparents leave us is all vineyards, a great treasure, as Kiko told us, but also they gave us, in especial in Bierzo, poison soils. Yeah, this is what I'm trying to... When, when were the soils treated? Like in the herbicide. 50s, 60s, 70s? Yes. Uh, in our area, uh, people uh, work in the vineyards like Romans. With right. animals and, uh, you know, with the... Romans, with the medulas. Yes, yes. Even the Romans take off a lot of gold for uh, his uh, empire in our in our area. Yes, um, but uh, in the fifties of the last century, sixties uh, after the wars, uh, the the chemical uh, more production. Yes, came, quicker, came cheaper, there. Yeah, and, and, uh, and, uh, 
and sell our grandparents the, the these products, and uh, and the area focus on uh, uh, bulk wines. Right. For, because we have a good quality, a good weather with right. variety, better business, better, better business, right? So we have to say them thanks because you preserve hundred years old vineyards, but everything from the past is not good. So tell me about the process of reversal. So now you have these vineyards that were treated. What, what does it take to reverse them and how long? And can it be done properly to your satisfaction? It's a good question. Um, I began in 2006 and my decision in the beginning was, uh, of course, I stop using herbicides and not uh, systemic products. We are in a very uh, wet area and mildew is... Unlike Kiko. Yes. Different opposite climate condition. So uh, it's like a nightmare, mildew. Right, mildew, mold. All. Mostly mildew, also oidium, uh, black rot, uh, and other diseases that you never know. And anyway, uh, um, I wanted not to use a chemical, chemical that uh, goes into the flow of the plant, only contact uh, treatments. So it was hard because uh, we have some years like this year, uh, 23, that was so wet in uh, springtime, I I'm lose a lot of grapes. But 23 May, was as wet as any year? It was a tough year? Is, is, it, it was uh, so wet. Okay. 23, 18, 14, 40, uh, 13. We have a, diff a huge, uh, a, a great difference uh, between one year and another there. Anyway, um, this is very important in some point because you lose it and you are not focused in quantity, but you are getting a stronger plant. And talking about the soils, um, what I really want to do is restore the natural fertility of the soil, uh, imitating nature. No, uh, uh, so um, uh, when I found uh, a vineyard. Um, I realized the plants are like mm, ad adapted at, at the, to the to the things of the, the of, of the things that we add to the ground. So the root system is not well developed. And what I want to do is uh, develop these uh, roots to get the real uh, food that we have in our soil. This is very important. Yes. Can we take? Yeah, I have a question about how you are. Obviously, it's a really long process, and I'm a separate question. Is the fact that it's so rainy and the weather and all that make it harder to? In some point, in some yeah, in some point, uh, rain helps because it's a question of cleaning the soil, and we are in hill uh, on the hills uh, on the slopes, so we need time. Anyway, as the rain is too heavy in the past too, our grandparents use more herbicides than their grandparents. So it's more contaminated the soil. And the, and the first question is how long does, does, does it uh, happen? I have two systems. 
One of them, more scientific, is taking samples from the soil and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, take, analyze how many organic material I have there. My objective is around 4%. Uh, this is one of them. Helps a lot. But we are not only talking about organic material. We are also talking about another M, microorganism. So uh, the idea is to clean the soil for develop the micro rice and all the microorganism, fungi, or whatever that helps the plant to feed for the real minerals that came also from the organic material. You know the um, the cycle in the in the life in the soil. So this is very important, and uh, I try to measure the biodiversity of a soil counting the plants. So the species of plants that I have. In the beginning, when I have a, a, when I began when I begin work in a vineyard, uh, usually I have two, three, four, five species of plants. The ones uh, that are resistant to the herbicides. As the plant, uh, sorry, as, uh, as the uh, soil is going more clean, cleaner and cleaner, other plants grow spontaneously, like, I don't know how to say in, in English, sorry. So I usually, I try to count how many species I have in the, in the, in the vineyard, and when I get more than 50, more than, more than 60, I think that the, 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 the vineyard is uh, clean in terms of, or, or, or rich in terms of uh, microbiology. Of course, I have an APP of National Geographic. Natural. <laughs> is, is <laughs> that make a photo and it helps a lot. Is that like cover crops? You know, all yes, things but not, around the vineyard but, but that it's contribute? Not, it's natural cover crops. In, in the... In, Yes, it's like any petals, yeah, 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 yeah. But I don't, I do not plant any uh, any uh, cover. The, all the all the all the herbs are spontaneous, and um, and another important thing to me, uh, as a member of, of an association of a regenerative agriculture in, in Spain in Catalonia, is um, is to my decision in that point is not to break the soil. My decision is not plugging. I have some... Literally have, break? Like tilling? That type of thing? Or? In some point, uh, when we are plugging, we uh, break uh, the Unless, soil for, for, for do a, a thinner soil that is pretty good, for example, for, uh, you know, vegetables or herbs or, you know, other crops. But when I really want to do this competition from other herbs, for, in especially in my area, because we have rain, of course, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a sample for everything, for everywhere, uh, we need this competition for uh, half, uh, so, so we need for the plants to grow the the root deeper. They are like lazy because they receive fertilization and they receive also herbicides. They, there's no competition. They are not feeding the good things. For, because 
all the things that we are doing is for getting a richer, brighter, and better wine. This is the concept. So the idea is this. All right, so let's... Oh, I'm sorry. Is there a way to measure like, the depth of the root? Is there like, some kind of sonar or something? Or can you guys see... You got a dig? your root system's working Don't you have to dig? You have to dig to look. Yeah, not always. I think that the, the, the point is the... Uh, I, I, I stole the word. Uh, las arcillas, how do you say arcillas? Clays. The clays. I think that in general in the meseta, the clays or the stone, the stone, uh, the mother stone, uh, is like the limit where the roots are coming, are going. But uh, not in all the parcels you can, you can see how deep this is. Yeah, could be even four meters. Why not? If the, in, in Toro, for example, when the soil is like very deep, the soil is very poor and, and, uh, and are like uh, digging too much. Even, yeah, even four meters, five meters, why not? Yeah. But not, not in my case, not in Bierzo. Um, Nacho, let's talk about the wines. In front of us, we have... I don't know, I don't know how, uh, what is the one that you serve. Is the Burgundy... 2014 Burgundy? and 2022. Can yes, you check yes. the bottle in the back? I, uh, I will, I will talk so a little, let's start with the 14. Okay, uh, I, will let, uh, I, I will talk a little bit about Kachikan, what it is. Yes. I began working in Demencia in 2006. My idea, as I told you before, is to do a natural wine, uh, so, uh, in, in a special uh, inspired in the rec uh, recovery of soils and plants, all plants, and, uh, and also for, for getting an aging one that you can keep in your cellar for a long time. No? Anyway, uh, my philosophy uh, goes so close to raw philosophy. And uh, in 2013, 2013 I, I was probably one of the first Spanish guys that joined raw in London. And I opened my mind in that in the point of uh, the raw philosophy, if you, if I can consider a philosophy, and I made a test in uh, 2013 of natural wines, red, white, and rosé, for okay. learning. And uh, 14 is the first vintage that I sell. Okay. I, I cannot remember the name, the, the number of bottles that I did. It's a blend field of my oldest vineyard, planted in 1905. It's not only Mencia, there is a lot of white grapes. Godello. Godello, Doña Blanca, Palomino, some plants of Tempranillo, a lot of Alicante Boucher that we call Garnacha Tintorera, and mostly Mencia. Uh, we, we we did, we did a natural fermentation, not adding any, any sulfur. Since 13, uh, I do not use, no, since 11, I do not use any selected yeast. And, uh, um, and uh, we, I, what I did with the Kamchikan is try to experiment some risky. Like? 
uh, wine making. Okay. Because when you are doing minimal intervention wines, you don't have the tools that conventional ones have. So to manipulate, to manipulate the wines. Some points manipulate, right? And sometimes preserve. I really understand the winemaker that uh, has got a great salary and move a lot of uh, 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 wines uh, to add a lot of sulfur. Uh, is his salary, you know? But uh, with uh, for me, Kachikan is a, is like an experiment for doing things that later I apply in all of my wines, dementia and pyjama. To, uh, 2014 was a wet, uh, wet year, a lot of rain in, uh, in uh, harvest time, and a little bit of butritis. Uh, spent uh, like uh, five months in a very old uh, bee, uh, barrels, and uh, it was bottled next the, the following year. Does the Botrys add an element that makes the wine interesting, or do you have to get rid of it? I think the best place for preserved wines are barrels and bottles. Crystal, or I don't know how to say it. Glass. 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 All right, so. And I, 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 of course, I have like uh, 10 bottles of this. <laughs> I have a, a long time that I didn't taste it. So we have the 14 and the 22, eight year difference. Eight. Uh, Everyone take a sip of the 22, and let's talk about differences, you know, to your explanation about vintage. So 14 was very wet. What was 22 like? 14 is the one that is a little bit more smoky. Like, uh, you know, when in the past, when you... Um, uh, for for floor, like earthy? No, like matches oh. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like sulfury match. Yeah, yeah. Is it, this, this is the fourteen. Talking about aging, that is the main uh, theme. Uh, theme to the question today. Uh, sulfites is could be a part of, but there are a lot of things that preserve. Christopher Columbus probably brought here. Being Tinto de Toro, because alcohol is a conservative and also natural. In natural. And also, the pH in Toro, if you harvest properly, is a good one. Right, so the, the right grape from the vineyard is going to make a wine that is ageable, yes. not worrying about sulfur, pH, acid, all that. And tannins. 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 Um, so tell me about the 22. Tell me about, was it as wet as 14? Or? 22 is probably the hottest year that I've ever been live. How hot was it? Uh, um, the plant was stressed, uh, stopped the, the ripeness. They the wines that the vintage gave us are not too alcoholic, and the acidity is not pretty good. 
So what I do for open uh, a little bit the tasting of the wine is uh, uh, racking a little bit more the hot, the the cup the the hot of the of the of the of the tank the the skins right. uh, with my hands and the, the maceration was a little bit longer so probably you have uh, some touch of uh, volatile or something like this that uh, in my opinion probably could compense the lack of acidity in the vintage. Anyway, uh, talking about uh, volatile, is, is this the name? Yeah? Yeah. Uh, in some natural aging with flour, uh, the, the yeast eat some volatile acid. So, um, wait, the yeast eats some of the volatile acid? Yes. Okay. Some of the yeast. This is microbiology that I really don't know, but the, 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 this is something that we have to improve in the future, I think so. Uh, the, the, the mic, uh, sometimes I, 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 I usually say that I'm not a, a winemaker. What I really do is farming. I'm a farmer that preserves animals microorganisms in that case that are our allies for making wine that is and it. they are the authentic authors that, of the that wine. is the story i mean you are you are right about that um does anyone have any questions about nachos wines the 14 or the 22 anything else um was 22 one of your toughest vintages was it one of the tougher vintages to make because of everything you described? Or? It's hard, it's hard. It was hard? Yeah. All right, um, we're going to move along. Last but not least yeah. is our friend Julian Lopez. Julian is a third-generation winemaker, makes wine from his family's eight hectares in the Burgos, is that proper, Burgos area. Um, he is continuing the adventure that goes back to his grandparents. So he's working on that legacy. Again, and this is a great common theme, um, his vines are mostly 100-year-old vines um, with some, some younger vines on the property. Um, he farms at about 1,000 meters. Um, what I noticed, and, you know, all of you could jump in. Uh, Julian, you could start. The the vines. How do you describe them? They're 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 freestanding older vines. Are they goblet head? How do you describe the the type of vines? When you look at your vineyard, it's not what people but, expect. Rows and yeah, rows sure, of sure, vineyards but, with wires and okay, irrigation. Sure, but uh, I think the, 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 because my first, my hello everybody. My English is very bad, like Nacho and Kiko. I'm trying to make the best for you. Okay, but, but it's a long story. It starts with my grandfather. My name is Alberto Lopez Calvo. Immigrate 30 years in France. He worked in Tonnerre, make barrels in Bordeaux and Demtos. And after when finished work in France, he come back in Spain and makes and start the dream. He makes the wine in the in the in the land. 
And uh, my little village, the name is Coruña del Conde, is a little village, 80 people only live here at 1,000 meters altitude in Castellón, in the province of Burgos. And like he said, uh, Sam, I work um, eight hectares uh, divided in 29 plots. The uh, vines more younger, planted my grandfather in 70, and the rest of vines uh, have uh, until uh, 80 years to more 130 years. Uh, my grandfather, who he is, is a little uh, winemaker. He is the first man in Ribera del Duero represent natural wine. He make only 10,000 bottles more or less uh, in the year. And the beautiful for the wine my grandfather try after, um, difference of me, he make only one wine every year. Uh, the same things every year. And every vintage is very different. And uh, in 2012, he did, my grandfather, 11 years ago, I don't uh, winemaker uh, in other life and the street rare. And a few months uh, after that, my grandpa, my my grandfather, I changed my life. I come back to the village of my mom because you earn my accent. I'm French from south of France. My father Moroccan and my mother Spanish. And come back to the <laughs> village of my mom and 10 years ago. And uh, from uh, 2013, I work with my wife and the vine, I make the wine and many things. And today I try uh, three wines different. One wine for me, my first vintage in 2014, um, the name is Al Tutero. I'm start to sell just this vintage this month. Uh, and after two other wines for my grandfather, uh, 2011 and 99. All right, so. We're going to taste, we're going to start with one of the older wines today, right? We're going to taste a 1999. No, now we'll start with the 14. Oh, the 14? Yeah. I'm the 2014 El Alto Otero? Alto Otero. Why okay. Alto Otero? Because, no, this is, this is the last one. Yeah, we commence with the 14. Uh, right. Do we have the right uh, wines in the right order? Yeah, sorry, sorry. The so okay. Alto, Alto Tero, why Alto Tero? Because Otero is a mountain, uh, one mountain for my village, uh, 80% for the plot. I have around this mountain, Otero. Alto is up Otero. From up Otero, I see many plots. <laughs> this, is uh, this is a one part. This is the last. All right. uh, this, this vintage is 2014 for one plot. The name is Pelinas. He planted my grandfather in 70. He's all in Tempranillo. Uh, I make full damp step, uh, 40 days maceration, 48 months in all barrel French, um, 225 liters. Um, and after the wine sleep five years on the bottle and start to sell in 2023 now. So, a couple of questions. Yeah, sure, sure. The 14 is currently going into the market no. because of the aging in the vessel and then the bottle age. Um, you have a thing called bottle dormitories. So, you rest a lot of the wines in the bottles for a lot of years, right? Yeah, five years. Yeah, sure. Um, I make like this because I'm, I make many wines, many wines different. But uh, the origin for my winery, you see in the next one with my grandfather, um, I have for my area, um, the material for make wine is during many times. Why? Because at 1,000 meter altitude is a climate continental. 
more contrast temperature in summer, 40 degrees in the day, and 10, 12 degrees in the night. For this, the maturation of my grapes is more longer in northern region. Start my harvest in middle October and finish beginning October. I work principally Tempranillo. Tempranillo is, is, uh, is grapes very tannic. And for the altitude, 1,000 meter altitude, and very good acidity. The three things important for make wine in the time is uh, tannins, alcohol, and acidity. Acidity is equilibrium to tannins and alcohol are both fresh, you know? And uh, for this, I'm waiting many times. So are you using carbonic or semi-carbonic macerations on these wines? Uh, yes, another wine, but this wine now is full them stepped, 40 days maceration, okay. and uh, I make uh, every three days pump over on every okay. three days, and when the wine is dry, no more sugar residual, I'm pressed, and after a few months, uh, the wine in deposit, and after pass, and all by real French have uh, until 20, uh, 20, 25 years, all by real. And after, when um, and bottling, eh? so the no no and vino, and vino. the barrels are neutral because you're using them for 20, 25. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. it's all barrels. Um, it's all, so used. can I make sure we're correct here? The first wine on the left, help me guys, is the 2014 El Alto Otero, yeah. correct? Yeah, yeah. And then the next wine is the 11 Alberto Calvo or the What's yeah, the middle wine? And, and the, the last wine, the left, the left is Julian, the last wine left is the is old? Two, 2014. Right, no? Otero, and then the middle one is the 11. 11, and the last and one, the last 99. One is the oldest one. Okay. Okay, so that's the 14, Alco. Any questions about the first wine we're tasting? All right, so next we're going to taste a different... So, so, so. We're going to taste a different wine, the, the 2011 Alberto Lopez Calvo. So this is a wine with a dozen years of age. Um, Julian, tell us a little about this wine. This is Tempranillo, Cab Sauve, Merlot. It's, yeah, it's, like, is, a, it's like this, a super Castilla. Yeah, this is a wine of the origin for my wineries, a wine made for my grandfather. Um, I told you before, the, the beautiful for the wine, for wine for my grandfather, every year, every vintage, the same things, but every vintage is totally different. He makes 75 Tempranillo, 20% Cavernet Sauvignon, 5% Merlot, um, for the vines he planted in 70. Every uh, grapes he harvests uh, in the first Merlot, after Tempranillo, after Cavernet Sauvignon, he make full dem step, uh, maceration, all fermentation. Um, after press, every grapes he sleep in the uh, deposit, uh, separate every grapes until uh, February. In February, he mix in the same um, stainless steel. And after go to the all barrels, and he make, uh, depends on vintage, uh, 24 months to 42 months in the barrels, and after wait four or six years in the bottle to start to sell. And this uh, first Alberto Lopez Calvo is vintage 2011, and uh, he passed 32 months in, in barrels and wait six years before to, to start to sell. So you may have mentioned this, but 
because your grandfather was in France, Bordeaux, and all of that, he introduced or grafted the cab sauve and Merlot vines to the vineyards? Yeah, sure. He did uh, it because he was influenced good, by being in France and all yeah, that? Yeah, good question. Uh, when he worked in France, he come back uh, in 70 in my village, and he planted Tempranillo and Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot from Bordeaux. And for the 20 years he worked in France, cousin for my grandfather, walk the vines, uh, make uh, wines. And when my grandfather come back definitely in 90, he start to make the wine with the vines every 20 years. And the lucky, my area, all my vines, he planted my grandfather and all vines more 100 years, and uh, never uh, no pesticide and this. Why? Because I'm um, in the little village, in the little uh, in the area agricole, and uh, the people no use pesticide and herbicide simply because it costs money. And for this, is is lucky for me. All my vines never know here this. And after for vinification, my grandfather, um, you know, very good the the. Uh, no, las virtudes de la zona, virtudes. One of the good, the good things for the area, the clima, the altitude. Uh, my land is clay stone, and uh, and when he come back in Spain, he said, I won't make only wine with grapes because his all life he sees this in Spain, you know, because it's the area vertical and all family make wines for the for for drink only only with wine. And uh, when he, he working in Bordeaux, when he arrived in the 50s, he's uh, begging for the agriculture ch uh, chemical. And he sees this uh, every day. He don't like this. And when he come back for this, he's the first and represent natural wine. He told every time, I make only wine with grapes and uh, I work clean and my vines. All right, so let's... Let's taste the last wine. The last wine is the oldest of the eight. It's a 1999. It's the same wine as the last one, the Alberto Lopez Calvo, but it's a 99. Um, Julian, it is a blend of Tempranillo, Cabernet Sauvignon, and Merlot, like the um, like the 11. Yeah. Is do do the percentages, the blends it's exa vary? Exa it's exactly, the same. Exactly the same. Uh, so All right, so we're talking about the ageability of natural wines. Mm. Uh, I think we know Cab Sauve and Merlot are certainly ageable from Bordeaux. Mm. Um, tell me about this particular vintage. Uh, the vintage, the beautiful, you see the time, is exactly the same things. Just the change, no, no, the wine stay 24 months only in barrels, no 32, but the other things is exactly the same. And you try the two wine. It's totally different. You, you see the evolution from, of time, and, uh, and that's it. The work for, for vines, for make wine, and the time. So let me ask you guys a question. Yeah. Has anyone in here before today tasted a 1999 Castillo y wine? You have? All right. After this, we're going to give you a prize. Um, <laughs> an empty spit cup. But that's okay. Um, all right. Any questions on anything we discussed? Keep in mind, these guys are farming thoughtfully, naturally. You know, Kiko has his own take on all of this. Um, there's, 
you know, um, Nacho deals with a lot of humidity, rain, <laughs> mildew. That's not the case with you guys. So, you, you know, there's all different things going on. Um, any questions? Shoot. Um, so this might be a matter of semantics, but I guess to you guys, since you're winemakers, I'm not it's something that we all know about. What is natural wine to you? So a lot of people say that. Oh boy, you have another hour? <laughs> this is the well, first guy there. Go ahead. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking all the time that our region, Castilla Leon, is a super traditional region. So when I try to make natural wine, I think in my great grandfather, as uh, Julian says, think that 50 years ago has no money to buy pesticides, to buy nothing. So at the end, making. So, uh, yeah, like thinking that Castilla León is super traditional and, uh, and uh, trying to make natural wine, we are coming back to our grandfather's way of uh, winemaking, you know? And uh, I think that our region has a super good potential for that. I don't know why we are like a kind of a break with the natural wines. But um, yeah, yeah, natural wines, I think that raw wine makes something super good, which is to have a criteria to selectionate the, the wines. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I think that is a question of respect, of sustainability. But sometimes you consumers, you have too much information. I mean, you have natural right. wines, ecological, biodynamical, blah, 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 blah. Right. blah. It's an overload almost. Exactly. So, right. so uh, well, I understand that um, we need limitations and, and some uh, some uh, info to understand that huge wall of the wine. But uh, yeah, the difficult thing is how to give value to the guys as we are, that we try to make uh, our wines in a, in a thinking in the future and, and thinking to respect uh, all the ecosystem and and uh, and uh, thinking in the next generation to make wine and and um, trying to do our best in this way. Natural, yeah. naturally. Do you do you agree? Uh, yes, yes. Um, for me, I mean, it's a very broad you know, term. Yeah, everyone yeah, yeah. practices there is, and there defines is a, it differently. There is a book. There is a book uh, about natural wine that. Uh, from Isabel Le Reon, okay, that uh, express very good what could be a natural wine. But a natural wine is a wine made focused on getting a brighter wine with the authentic expression of the terroir using as less additive as we can. It's not a sin to use a little bit, but right. only if it's necessary. Minimal interventions, at the um, end, right? Julian? But looking for the origin. Julian, what yeah, do you Yeah, more easy. The natural one, what is this? For me, is make wine only with grapes and clean, uh, work clean in the vines. In the wine, lamentably, uh, lamentablemente, um, unfortunately, it's possible uh, added 300 product analogic in the wine. Uh, and for me, Natural wine, I repeat, make wine only with grape and work clean. And that's it. Grace fermented.
All right, we have to wrap up. I want to thank our winemakers for talking about the ageability of natural wines and putting that in the context of the region where they grow their wines. Thank you to Kiko Calvo um, from Bodegas Pigardo. Thank you to Nacho Leon from Dimencia Wine. And thank you to Julian Lopez for Bodegas Coronia del Conde. Hopefully today we turned you on to the wines from the region. Now you realize that there's some very thoughtful winemakers and it's a lar large region and there's a lot of diversity in the region. So a couple things, when you get out of here, go outside and taste the wines. And when you leave here, go outside and buy those wines. Um, thank you to the Junta de Castillo Leon, which is the organization, the Castillo Leon, that helps make all this possible and advocates for, you know, these wines and, you know, for you to get to taste them and all that. Um, thank you, everybody, for taking time out of your schedule uh, for joining us at the Speaker's Corner. I'm Sam Ben Ruby from the Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio. Have a good rest of the day. One last thing. Pascaline Le Peltier, a dear friend of mine, will be here in a little less than an hour to talk about Austrian wines. That's our last Speaker's Corner for the day. Enjoy. This show is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.